Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup from Red Bull Racing Australia. I'm Dave Reynolds from the Bodlo Racing Team. Hi, I'm James Moffat from the Norton Hornets. Hi, I'm Chaz Mostert from Four Pepsi Max Crew, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. It is, look, it's great. It's a fun track. Um, I was conceived on the bolt, so um, <laughs> been, been here before. I wouldn't say it's the number one target on our radar. We're all about winning races and trying to win a championship at the moment, but, but we, you know, Kim and I chip away at it, but right now we have nothing. Sometimes they're not dickhead you could say it's just it's, they're just there's good racing and i enjoy it from the racetracks across australia and around the world here's inside supercars hello and welcome this week as we saw sydney motorsport park host its first round in a number of years the rain was definitely a contributing factor to a lot of discussion points across the weekend joining me to discuss sydney motorsport park and a whole bunch more is from Auto Action, Gary O'Brien. Good evening, Gary. Good evening, everyone. Good evening, Craig. And from Tom Wordsley Media, it's Tom Wordsley. Good evening, Tom. Good evening, Craig. was a, a very interesting weekend. Scott McLaughlin and the Giz took victories, and that was the headline in most of the uh, papers and websites this week coming out of the race weekend. But the stories were a lot more, and it looks like Mark Winterbottom now, Gary, is... Chasing an uphill battle, and certainly that's what VADX is uh, reporting. Yeah, it's interesting that yeah we're coming into the enduros, and uh, Winterbottom had quite a quite a strong endurance series, uh, particularly at Bathurst where they won it, so, or SPR, and he won it. So I wouldn't write him off just yet. And there's the point system. The way it works is that Wing Cup's just got to have one bad one, and everyone's right back in the fight. Where he's faltered is the last couple of rounds, which are normally tracks that FPR are quite good on. Fortunately, they're also quite good at uh, the Pertec Cup, so we'll see if there's any room to move, because one thing's for sure, Red Bull Racing Australia is very good at the Pertec Cup track. So Tim Edwards, following the weekend, has slammed official over race penalties. Uh, it's being reported in uh, News Limited, Gary. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I think that was a reaction to the outcome rather than the actual incident itself. And I guess, you know, because two cars were quite heavily damaged, officials may have felt that they um, had to react. And um, I could understand Tim Edwards citing it as a knee-jerk reaction. But on the same token, you know, it was a fairly harsh penalty for something that happens probably on most first laps of a race and doesn't have the result that that one had. So, as I said, you know, the outcome probably determined the penalty rather than normal incidents, which happened at, on the opening laps of most races. Tom Wordley, it's uh, V8 co-drivers gaining track time at Sydney Motorsport Park as the teams went off to have a few ride days there on the Monday. That's right. Speed Cafe is reporting uh, 22 of the 25 uh, cars present at the uh, test uh, sorry, ride day yesterday, and ride days are playing a, a really important role for co-drivers this year after V8 Supercars scrapped the compulsory co-driver uh, sessions throughout the year, and uh, Tony D'Alberto being quite vocal about the, the lack of track time that, they get, that they've been getting in the cars, uh, but he says there's only one way to get race fitness for uh, the Pertec Endurance Cup, and that's to spend time in the car, so... Ride days are, uh, have been a, pretty much the only chance other than test days for the co-drivers to get behind the wheel. Mm. Now, uh, their supercars took the opposite angle of the Winterbottom incident in that uh, race on Sunday. It's quite an interesting one where you've got one crying poor and uh, then 
Dick Johnson and uh, Scott Pye getting up in arms about 50k of damage. And I seem to recall last time I was on it was the Jack Perkins and Charlie Schwerkolt complaining about uh, some bad driving and uh, a similar figure. So definitely a, a lot of money at play here and a lot of damage to the cars ahead of a, a really important time of year. Mm, yeah, I guess there's one thing about motor racing, though. You can you can never uh, go into it thinking that uh, damage isn't going to be a part of the sport. It's just whether your budget has got enough uh, fat in it, if you like, to be able to cover the incidents. And I think Dick Johnson Racing is one team that is, uh, is rather renowned for making headlines at the beginning of the year about financial strain. Mm. Well, our feature guest on this week's show is Scott McLaughlin, and we'll hear from him speaking to Peter Norton next. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Tune in each weekday morning for a fast-paced look at V8 supercars with Supercars Today. It's a short, sharp look at what's happening across the V8 supercars world. I thought, to be honest, I thought the Townsville race on Sunday was a bit too long. I thought um, it took a bit too long to, to draw to its conclusion for people to understand how the race was going to go. It's supercars Today, each weekday morning at sportradio.com.au or sign up for the podcast on iTunes. Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard from Lockwood Racing, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year in Formula 3, I think it's a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself, uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as the Supercars in Australia is where I see myself. Second crack at the Australian time since we've been back, and it's unlucky the first time that we end up with a win there at Speedway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Dale Wood from from Team Advam GB Gal, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. They talk about motorsport has very high highs and very low lows, and uh, one fellow who's just enjoying one of those highs after the uh, the depths of one of those valleys is Scott McLaughlin. First of all, congratulations on a, a great victory here at, on, uh, at uh, Sydney Motorsport Park on the Sunday. How does it feel bouncing back from a, a low on Sunday? Uh, it's awesome. I mean, it's great for the team, great for myself. Um, we were all pretty down last night, and um, to come back and be as good as we were is amazing so um, we, I think we had a pretty good car anyway yesterday but it rained and, and, and we, then we had the engine blow up so it would have been maybe a couple of podiums this weekend but to, to win on Sunday a, a, a part of the, the race structure that we've got in V8 Supercars that we've struggled with it's um, fantastic now, Volvo need to be congratulated for not only their success, but the way they're going about it, very professional and uh, putting a lot into it. Does that put pressure on the team to perform? Oh, I think, I mean, yeah, it does. I think um, they've got a suite up here. They've got a suite at nearly every big event. Um, so, yeah, it's, it puts a lot of pressure on myself, and you want to, be, you want to perform in, in, in front of their big sponsors and their big bosses, and we're a factory team now. There's no excuses. We've just got to get on with it and, and learn our car. And once we've learned it, we've got to start winning races and championships. And uh, that's our aim next year. I suppose uh, on a Sunday afternoon they could be told about the, the drama and the excitement of motorsport. And sometimes that is the low. But uh, I guess they're jumping for joy today. They are. And, I mean, yeah, we were all gutted yesterday. You know, we haven't had many failures at all, um, except for there was one at uh, Winton, I think there was, and that was it. Um, so... Yeah, apart from that, we've had a really good run. So I can't thank everyone at Polestar enough. Valvoline for coming on board and supporting us. It's amazing. So just got to push on, and hopefully we can just claw some points back on the way. Can you tell us about the, the, the emotions uh, before that uh, the race on Saturday, the, the second race, where you were watching the team almost pull off a miracle to swap mm. that engine so quickly? 
Yeah, I've, mate, they've been very close to doing a record time before and they did another one yesterday and uh, yeah, it was pretty full on. I knew I had to get in the car as quick as, as I can and drive the thing out so we could make the pit for the race. Uh, but yeah, it was a fantastic job by the boys. They've, they've done an awesome job and um, it just shows what sort of professional outfit they are and why Volvo came on board and supported us because I think, uh, you know, Gary runs a very very good ship, a tight ship, um, a lot of fun and, uh, you know, I think that proves that we're very professional as well. Uh, you are indeed professional and uh, want to think ahead now to the, the next couple of races and, of course, Bathurst is the, the, the icon of the sport. You've spoken about the, the investment that Volvo's making, the professionalism of the team. Do you now go into Bathurst with high expectations? Yeah, we do. I mean, I was high expectation for this, before this win. I think we've got a little bit of reliability issues, obviously. You just need to sort that out, but I think we're very kind of, you know, over that. Um, so we've just got to make sure we sort of just, you know... Uh, are fast there I think we will be um, high speed we love those tracks the Volvo seems to suit it pretty well and we've got good motor so Bathurst, Sandown and Gold Coast uh, can't come soon enough How does your preparation uh, change for the long distance races is it a, a sprint just longer uh, or is it actually a different mindset Oh it's different in the old days with Bathurst I think it um, you know the Bathurst is made of about six or seven sprint races I think it's a, it's a lot's changed and, and the competitiveness of the category is amazing so I think um be interesting what goes on this year and, and how fast we, we are and everyone else is but I'm sure you'll see some record times and record race times Yes I think we're looking forward to Bathurst and uh, uh, good luck for it. Thank you, cheers The views expressed on Inside Supercars including the panellists and guests do not reflect the views of the network Thunder Media or Sport Radio any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. And, you know, every every year I see Jackie Stewart Grand Prix and I just remind myself of of his part in in starting the the path to safer cars. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Jack Brabham certainly left his mark not only on Australian motorsport but motorsport all around the world. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth from Erebus Motorsport and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Well, welcome back to the show, Tom Wordsley and also Gary O'Brien joining me, Craig Ravel. And, well, Sydney, definitely wet weather. It was quite interesting because, Gary, as we've seen over the last few years, the cars have been going out in the first practice session and running a set of wet tyres. Now, I know when I've spoken to Fitzy before, he said, if these guys run wets in that first practice session when it's fine and then we have a full wet weekend... They're going to be coming up very short on tyres. Now, fortunately, this weekend, it was only wet for the first day, Saturday, with two races, and it was dry on Sunday. But it would have been very interesting just to see if the teams had sold themselves short by using the wet-weather tyres in practice. Yeah, with only three sets available for the, for the three races, it would have been very interesting given that they used a set each in the first two races on the Saturday and then would have had one set left to stretch over double the distance on Sunday um, certainly would have been uh, juggling whatever good tyres they had left on Saturday to make up the shortfall. But Jamie Winkup referred to it in the um, press conference on Sunday night by saying, well, it's the same for everyone, so it shouldn't have been an issue and changed their gist and got on the bandwagon and said, well, I shouldn't, maybe I shouldn't have been drifting around late on Saturday 
almost in the dark mm, because yeah. I might have had to save that set of tyres for Sunday. But as it turned, as you rightly said, it turned out we had fine weather Sunday. It didn't become an issue. But it'll be one that I'll have to make sure they address in the future, I think. Mm. Tom, that's always been the interesting point, that they have practice and they try to say people go out and watch practice, but if they're running around on the uh, on the wet weather tyres, which really kicked off in earnest. They were doing it before Austin last year, but it really kicked off in earnest at Austin last year. And, uh, you know, ever since then, they have just decided that they would. They'd use a set of wets and and take the risk for the rest of the weekend. I, I think that a lot of other rounds where there's been absolutely no uh, no chance of rain and we've seen a lot of blue sky and in the last couple of years when it's been V8 events. Uh, I think that's been quite a an educated risk, whereas this weekend it's been raining in Sydney all week, still uh, is. Uh, so I think it was more of a gamble this weekend and the chances of, of a going pear-shaped was definitely there. But I know it's it's been said it was the same for everyone and it just depends how you play that game. Mm. Now, of course, Tim Slade's car was involved in a fairly serious uh, altercation. Reynolds was also involved in that one as well. Uh, it, it was interesting, Tom, that we saw uh, for the conditions where cars were spearing off in even the uh, formation lap that there wasn't a lot more damage done um, acknowledging the fact that uh, Tim Slade's car didn't come out for the rest of the weekend? I think that given the uh, given how wet it was, I thought that the, the level of driving standards was quite high. I was going to be a lot more carnage, particularly turn one of that opening race. Um, you know, it's, it's been a long time since we've had conditions that poor, and I thought that they handled it really well. Now, Robert Dahlgren's car, his Volvo in the second race, was also involved in a in a separate incident to the big one we talked about in the first segment of the show, Gary. And uh, interestingly, Slade and Dahlgren's cars are, are going to be a bit hit, uh, touch and go to be able to get to Sandown, which is a month away. Well, they've already re- saying that the two boards that were involved in the first since we talk about probably won't be used in the, in the first of the Enduros at least. Now they're saying that these two are going to be touch and go. You know, these cars were originally designed to be um, quite uh, costly, uh, effective and um, easy to repair. It hasn't been the case by any stretch of the imagination. They're they're really uh, having to work hard between races and we've seen this throughout the year of getting cars ready for the next or upcoming readings. Mm. Now, of course, Reynolds' car, that was just fascinating, wasn't it, Gary, when we saw the damage on that car? and the team stripping it off trying to get it ready for Sunday, which, of course, (laughs) they did, but unfortunately it got taken out in the Sunday race early as well. But just amazing how, in times gone by, that would have been a fiery, smoking ruin of a car, but because of the safety improvements, moving the tank position and and all the other work they've done, they basically were able to, you know, pull all the hanging bits off it and just get back to being able to, uh, uh, you know, get the car back on the track. Yeah, you're right there. I mean, considering uh, well, what, what's another big one, I can think back to uh, the BAC car at uh, on the Gold Coast last year when Andy Jones had that fairly heavy shunt down out of uh, the second chicane on, or the, sorry, the first chicane on uh, on the front straight up there. They fixed that overnight and got it back and running again, which is quite an extraordinary effort. 
we've seen cars get damaged pretty significantly at Bathurst and be ready for the next day's outing. So they've done some pretty good work with these things. Yeah. Now, of course, the uh, the Pie Reynolds Winterbottom crash. We talked about it in the top. Gary, Tim Edwards complaining about having an in-race penalty, saying that there was more video available, uh, I, and, and saying that the officials could have cost us the championship. Now, I, I take my mind back to a couple of incidents, not only this year with Jamie Wincup, but certainly across many years, uh, where Jamie's been forced to take pit lane penalties, and whilst Roland has been fuming about it and not happy, it hasn't cost him a championship. No, um, um, I, I tend to uh, see where Tim's coming from with this, that perhaps a post-race penalty, which has been applied in a lot of other instances, a lot less uh, significant than this one, I, I admit. But by the same token, that's a busy part of the track on the opening lap of a race. And, you know, there's, there's, there must be other circumstances. You Surely he has the right to, um, to be able to view in-car footage from any of the other cars surrounding them. It may, it may be that he got a touch from behind as well. What if he had? And, um, you know, they've copped a penalty for, for something that may not have been all their fault. Mm, but I guess it's a... Tom, to what length do we say we have to review an incident before the officials who, let's face it, they're, they're not just sitting in the chair for the first time. These are Jason Bargwana, an experienced driver, and, and uh, you know, a whole bunch of cam stewards and and V8 officials that are handing down these penalties? It's been a, an interesting one this year because Jason Barguano, when he uh, started in the role of driving standards observer, was quite clear that he wanted to deal with things inside the race instead of, uh, instead of handing out post-race penalties. And for a lot of people, uh, that's been commended, and obviously Tim Edwards this week isn't a fan of it. Uh, but you, you see it go both ways. You see some incidents that have been a, an in-race penalty that uh, have, have been questioned, and then you've seen other instances where it's been a post-race penalty and he's, he's cut black because he didn't deal with it in the race. So I think it's one of those instances where you can't keep everyone happy, and Tim, uh, Tim Edwards and Mark Winterbottom were on the uh, receiving end and, and didn't like the decision. Mm. Now, the Giz winning in the wet, not many of us were surprised the Giz was the class of the field in the wet, but perhaps we were surprised just how far ahead of the field he was. And, he, you know, he even had time to mow the lawn, as they joked, uh, at the end of the race and still was able to win, Tom. The the gaps that he was pulling on the restart was, uh, quite frankly, a little bit scary. Just the pace that that uh, VIP pet food car had and being able to, to open up a seven-and-a-half-second lead in those conditions. Uh, you know, they say that rain is the great equaliser, and I think that, that Van Gisbergen shows just uh, how to be quick in the wet and the you know, level of commitment that he's got. Mm. Um, you know, they, the team reckons that it, it wasn't set up, that it was purely driver. Mm. Yeah, and I guess, Gary, uh, in the very famous Orwell saying... Some people are just more equal than others. Yeah, that's pretty pretty uh, accurate. I was just uh, gobsmacked by the starts. Like, considering how wet that second race was on the Saturday, he came from the second row and was leading by uh, turn two. And, you know, like, there's, there wouldn't have been much grip out there, and uh, he certainly drove it well. 
And um, he, he even said later, he said, I, I don't like the wet, but I, apparently I'm, I'm reasonably good in it. Yeah, I, I guess all the drifting he's been doing uh, sort of gets you into a mindset where if the car's sideways, you still know what to do. Keep the boot in it. You know, A lot of people, and I see it in all sorts of sports, as soon as that car gets a bit squirrely, they're lifting off the throttle instead of driving into the skid. And, and Well, this is, this is exactly what he was doing. Uh, the, the, you lose the front of the car first, so what do you do? He decides where he's going to drive it from the rear. And um, admittedly, that's going to end up costing your rear tyres as well. But by that stage, the race is over. So that's probably a good philosophy. Mm. Now, uh, Scotty's win. and Never a more popular winner, I think, in the V8 Supercar Series at the moment than Scotty McLaughlin. He has really set the series alight. He's got a lot of people talking about the series again, which is fantastic. Because uh, from the casual observer, he's a, a bit of a breath of fresh air, Gary. Oh, for sure. There's nothing nothing like a breath of fresh air. And uh, he's a Kiwi kid, but I think they're almost calling one of ours already. You know, he's, he's done some phenomenal things. That second place at the Clipsville 500, I mean, that, that was a bigger reception than what Craig Lowndes got for winning the race. And Craig bought all the, all the uh, accolades for him, but they're actually for Scotty. And, um, you know, he's an approachable sort of guy. He... he he mixes well with all people, and he can jump into other guys. Never driven a Porsche before, and had a phenomenal run down at Phillip Island when the Carrera Cup had their two uh, driver format running. And uh, just seems to just be the right package at the right time. Yeah, and the right package, right time. Is it going to be showered in the ultimate glory, Tom? Do you think at Bathurst? I think that the combination uh, is is going to be really strong. There's no no doubt that there's the potential for them to be a dark horse at Bathurst. And the reason I say a dark horse and not an outright contender is reliability of that car concerns me. And McLaughlin has, has struggled in some of the longer races this year, um, something that, that he also admitted on uh, in Sunday night press conference. So I think that a thousand Ks in, in that car, yes, it's possible, but I think they're going to have to. Uh, I think there might be a reliability issue that could rear its ugly head. Mm. Well, a break and then more on Inside Supercars. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Bought Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Nick Perkett from HHA Racing. You are listening to Inside V8 Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. And, you know, every, every year I see Jackie's Stewart Grand Prix and I just remind myself of, of his part in, in starting the, the path to safer cars. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Jack Brabham certainly left his mark not only on Australian motorsport but motorsport all around the world. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au Hi, I'm Scott Pye from Wilson Security Dick Johnson Racing and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. Gary Gary O'Brien from Auto Action, Tom Worsley from Tom Worsley Media, and myself, Craig Ravel. And guys, do you think it's better or worse this year, Tom? I think it's on the improve. Um, I, I don't think we're seeing as many mechanical retirements as, as we have um, in saying that. There was James Courtney's gearbox failure on the weekend, but you don't know what elements were at play there. Um, it, I, the majority of, of retirements we're seeing are um, damaged, so I would say that it, 
reliability is definitely a much better than last year. What about you, Gary? Yeah, I'd have to agree. It's slightly better, and I think it's on the up. Um, you know, mechanical problems that we've seen years ago, um, you know, almost non-existent now. You very rarely see an engine blow up. Rarely see um, even gearboxes. Mainly, it's things like power steering and the like, or accident damage. Mm. Yeah, it's. I have to say, as much as I jokingly uh, put it on the car of the future not being cheaper and all the stuff that we heard originally about the uh, the cars, there'll be heaps of cars in the garage. It won't matter if you have a crash; there'll be another car ready to wait. Whilst that all hasn't happened, and I'm quite happy to say that, I think where this car has just excelled is racing it's a racing car and i know people don't like the new indy cars gary but they're a racing car they're very very good to race they are very exciting to watch and i think that's what we've got with this new generation car yeah i have to agree with you there you know the number of winners we've had race winners round winners um certainly uh, lifted the uh, competitiveness of the whole series so much further than what it used to be. You know, I mean, you talk about, they talk about the old days of Group A and Group C, but there's only about two or three cars that will win the races there. Here we've got, you know, up to more than half the field can, can win a race, and it's so hard to predict who will be the next winner. Mm. What about you, Tom? I, I agree entirely with Gary, and you, uh, he mentioned the Group A and C days. You only have to look at a couple of years ago, we had uh, 28 races and only four winners coming from two teams and then the very next year we saw 13 different winners and, and a couple of people have their first wins ever. So I think it's definitely um, mixed up the, the field a lot and I think, um, and we've, we've spoken about this on the show and off the show a lot about the cost and is it actually cheaper, I think if the the next generation car doesn't change too much, the costs and, and reliability will have a flow-on effect and it will actually balance out. But if they go and reinvent it again, then uh, they're kidding themselves. Mm. All right, now we've got to be quick uh, because we do have to go to another break. But uh, just, Tom, your thoughts. Matt White announced as returning to the V8 coverage on 10. Is this a good move for the series when it's trying to promote a new look, a new feel, a new V8 supercars with a new broadcasting partner? Um, well, I think, unfortunately, for V8 supercars, that one wasn't in their control. That was a, obviously a network decision, and um, dare I say, a lot of the reason that Matt White made the transition back to Channel 10. Um, you know, it's a familiar face, but... I think we're going to have a few too many familiar faces next year. Mm, what about you, Gary? Oh, I agree. It's a good caller. He may not be the most popular amongst race fans that sit and watch it at home, but uh, you can't beat his experience and his knowledge of the sport. Mm. All right. Now, uh, Blanchard's going to be driving with Ingle. That was the final piece in the puzzles for the Enduro. So uh, give me, Gary O'Brien, who you think the best Enduro pairing is this year. <laughs> That's a good one. Um, I'll step my neck out. Craig Lowndes and Steve Richards. Okay, uh, and what about you, Tom? I thought we were on a time limit here. Uh, I think there's probably 15 strong combinations, but I think Courtney and Murph have, have got a, a really strong deal this year. And hopefully they'll turn around last year's Pertec Cup. A break and then a final thought next here on Inside Supercars. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Facebook page and to ask a question... 
email insiders at sportradio.com.au. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Still a bit in shock. Uh, <laughs> thanks, thanks, everyone. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Got to put money back into the sport at the lower levels to develop the kids and bring them up. You can't rely upon good luck for Daniel Ricciardo's old man to have found a few mates that tip some money in and send him overseas. There actually needs to be a structure. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm David Reynolds from Bottolo Racing Team and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. A final thought, Gary O'Brien. Um, yep, it's going well. The Enduro is really looking forward to those three races that we're going to get over a period of, what, uh, six or seven weeks. Uh, big turnaround if people have accidents, as we've already touched on before. But um, oh, I, I think it's getting to be exciting times as we get towards the end of the season. Mm. What about you, Tom? I, I'm going to have to follow the same line as Gary. I think the, the endurance season is going to be more exciting than ever, as I alluded to before in the show. Uh, I think there's a lot of strong pairings and... Uh, I think there's probably about 10 different guys that could win Bathurst. Mm. Well, V8 Supercars planning for changes to their testing procedures could become a huge, a huge talking point over the next couple of weeks. And who'd have thought that just 15 years ago, Mark Scaife was in a race car almost 200 days a year, when particularly when he was racing in the Winfield days. We've come a long way from 200 days of testing to potentially only on the Friday of race days. That's all we have time for this week. My thanks to Gary O'Brien and Tom Worsley. Until next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. Inside Supercars.